Welcome to the Amboss International Podcast, Beyond the Textbook. I am your host, Amboss Partnerships Manager, Dr. Tanner Schrank. Medical students and physicians need to be prepared for all kinds of unforeseen situations. This is especially true for doctors in the emergency medicine field. But through thorough preparation and diligent practice, students can ensure success in their clinical rotations and residencies. To help them gain the knowledge they need, Amboss Medical Editors write and edit over a thousand articles in addition to the exam-style questions and clerkship survival guides. Today, we're joined by one of those editors, UK-trained emergency medicine physician and Amboss Medical Editor, Dr. Rachel Von Simpson. Hello, thank you for having me here today. Yeah, thanks for coming on. It's great to have you. Could you let our audience know a little bit more about you? Yes. So I was born and raised in London and most people in the UK start medical school at 18, so straight out of school. I, at that juncture in life, was not particularly interested in being a doctor. And so I didn't. I studied something completely different for undergraduate, which was a degree course called Human Sciences. So after that, I did a master's in the control of infectious disease because I found human health really interesting and I thought that this was a good opportunity. When I was doing this master's, I realized that a lot of interventions in public health and epidemiology is sitting in meetings where people say, okay, let's reconvene in six months and we'll (laughs) have another meeting. And I got very frustrated with the pace of that. So at that juncture in time, I looked into doing medicine as a graduate, which is not so common in the UK. So the normal degree course is like five or six years, but for graduates, it's four years. So similar to the US. Mm -hmm. And so I ended up doing one of those and that's how I ended up being a doctor. Great. Very interesting path you took. So after graduating, you chose to pursue emergency medicine? So not immediately after graduating. The system in the UK is a little different from in other countries. So when you graduate, you have to do two foundation years. So they're paid years. You're working as a doctor, but you're not able to specialize yet. You have to rotate through a variety of different jobs. And that's really to properly give you a comprehension of what working in all those different fields is like. I did some acute medicine, I did intensive care, I did orthopedics, and then in my second year I did emergency medicine. Okay. So when I graduated from medical school, I was really interested in sexual health because that's the work I'd been doing in my master's. I'd done quite a lot of HIV-related research, and I was really sure throughout medical school that that was what I was going to do. Once I'd done these two years of the foundation training, I was going to specialize in that. But when I started working in emergency medicine, I was like, oh, I think I might have found my people. Uh (laughs) Because when you're a medical student, you're observing, but you're not really part of the team as much. And your focus is quite different. So I'd enjoyed my emergency medicine rotation, but I didn't sort of feel it in my bones the same way I did when I was doing the job. I think there were a few things that really appealed to me about it, which are things that often appeal to nobody else. So first off, I'm horrible in the mornings. Like I'm just the worst person in the mornings. And suddenly I had this job where hardly ever, you know, comparatively was I there in the morning. I was often on nights and late shifts. And a lot of people find that disruption to their circadian rhythm 
very difficult. But for me, I was like, oh, this is a dream. I really enjoyed the fact that you had such a variety in each shift. Because if you decide you're going to specialize in cardiology, yeah. you've got about four conditions that are going to take up like 99% of your work time. Yeah, and right. doesn't that get monotonous after 10 or 20 years? Yeah. Whereas emergency medicine, is like you don't know what's coming up in five minutes and you will probably throughout your career see things that you might never see again and mm -hmm. other people might never see. You're seeing everything from brand new babies to 105-year-olds. Yeah, right. And so it's anything and everything can come through the door in any mm -hmm. age group. It's intellectually quite satisfying as well because you're really using everything you've learned. It's quite exciting. I mean, I think everyone's watched the TV shows and they think it's all high drama yeah. and yeah. really sick patients. And it's not like that's a small fraction of it, but... Right. You do get some of that. You also get a lot of people with things that really aren't emergencies that could be seen elsewhere, but yeah, that's part yeah. of life. But it's all interesting. And I felt like it attracted other people who were a little bit more eccentric. And I liked working with this very diverse group. Yeah. And also there's a real camaraderie that you get working difficult shifts, working in the middle of the night. I just don't think that you get at lunchtime so much. Mm. So yeah. I, I really enjoyed that kind of real feeling of like being a team, everyone being in it together. Yeah. So. Oh, that's so interesting to hear that you actually like the spontaneity, the uncertainty yeah. of what's going to walk through the door. Yeah. yeah. I think that scares away a lot of people, a lot of students. Yeah. I mean, I think it, it scares away people, but I think the other thing, which is in a way quite nice about being emergency medicine is you've always got everyone to call Yeah. because you've got a really complicated and sick patient You've got intensive care you can call. You've got the various medical specialties mm -hmm. you can call. You've got surgeons you can call. I think people have this idea that you are facing all of these problems alone, but you're the first port of call for people, but you are part of a network. So mm -hmm. there are always people you can contact. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like there must also be some understanding of them, right? Like, oh, emergency is calling. Hang on. Everything else takes like a backseat to this, right? It would be nice so if that much. were true, not so much. I think we're all guilty of this. Like when you've not worked in a particular environment, you are very intolerant of yeah. their struggles. So I remember yeah. when I was first doing this emergency medicine job, I hadn't yet done a family medicine job. And I used to think to myself, like, God, people in family medicine, they have it so easy. They're always sending people into the emergency department when they have any problems oh, you know, why couldn't they have just dealt with this themselves? And when I did yeah. a family medicine job, I was like, God, this is really hard. This is really lonely and difficult. And you don't have any of the tests you have in the hospital. Mm -hmm. And I thought, okay, now I understand why they're sending people in all the time. You know, sometimes I'd phone up surgery and I'd say, this patient really needs admitting. And they'd be like, well, we are very busy. We have an emergency. And I'd be like, I'm the emergency department. I've got like 78 emergencies. Yeah, it's yeah, a good point. But, it's tough for everyone. Yeah, right. And you don't fully get an understanding of it until you walk in their shoes, yeah. like you're saying. And then eventually you became a medical editor at mm -hmm. Amboss. So yes. how did that come about? So as I'm sure you and our listeners will be aware, there was this thing called Brexit, bit of a disaster for the UK. And mm -hmm. subsequent to that, I was really keen to be outside of the UK. And okay. I had visited Berlin. I'd had a lot of fun there. And I saw a job for Amboss. 
I thought, actually, this would be right up my street because when I was at school, I was quite the literature nerd and I wrote a lot of essays and I studied politics for A-level. And when I was doing my medical degree, I sort of made a kind of prototype, the Amboss, the paper version. So I used to make myself these little index cards and the front of the index card would be a summary of a condition and then the back would have questions on and mm-hmm. on the tube when I was commuting to and from my hospital placements I'd have my little index cards and I'd read the front and then flip over the back and read the questions nice. to check so <laughs> I was like oh I, I'm already good at condensing yeah. stuff <laughs> and I applied and got the job and I've been very happy here ever since excellent that's so cool that you made like an analog version of Amboss before you even knew what it was. Yeah, it was for me the best way to use my commute time. Yeah. Which I guess is probably what a lot of people are doing with the Amboss apps now. Yeah, right. And it seems like it maybe trained you a little bit for what you would wind up doing. Very cool. So you mentioned finding your people with your emergency medicine. Do you have any sort of advice to give students who are struggling to find a specialty or when they're choosing a residency? How can they? find their people? I think when you're picking what you want to do for the rest of your life, you have to think about the shape your career is going to have in 10 years, in 20 years, in 30 years. So I think Mm -hmm. a lot of people might pick something that suits them in their 20s or their 30s, but not think, will this suit me in my 50s? I think the other thing is, is a lot of people think that they might be picking a family-friendly specialty when they're not necessarily. So I think a lot of people are put off shift-based specialties like emergency medicine because they think that they're not family-friendly or that they have a bad work-life balance. And I'm not going to lie and say the hours are great because the hours are very eccentric. Like sometimes you will be working a Saturday night when all your friends are out. But the advantage is someone comes and takes over at the end of your shift. Mm -hmm. So when you're scheduled to work 12 hours, you will leave after 12 hours. Whereas if you have another job where the out-of-hours cover isn't so good, you might be scheduled to work for eight hours, but you're still there four hours later. So if having a work-life balance is really important to you, if you're thinking about how to work around childcare and things like that, I think that the specialties that are more shift-based are surprisingly good. It's difficult because when you're a medical student, how your rotations go is really dependent on the hospital that you're at and how friendly they are. But I think really trying to get yourself involved as much as possible and trying to follow people who are a little bit more junior around is Mm -hmm. also sensible because then if you spend the time looking at what the most senior doctor who finished their training 25 years ago is doing, that's not going to be your job for the next 20 years. So you do need to have an idea of what it's like at the bottom as well as in the middle and at the top. And also, I think that the more junior the person you follow is, the more happy they are to have you around to help. Yeah, it's really helpful when they can help you get hands-on experience like that. And you're helping them because they need to do the things anyway. Yeah. Some good points, yeah. Our Amboss blog has an article on helping students choose a specialty and transitioning to residency. And it talks a little bit about weighing the tasks that you're going to do in the specialty. And so I've heard some doctors say they go away from surgery because they don't want to just do a task and then be done with it. They want to make a connection with patients or they don't want to do pediatrics because they don't like not being able to communicate with their patients as much. With emergency medicine, do you think that there's any features like that of task-based or making a relationship with the patient that's important for students to be aware of when they're choosing a residency? 
Yes, I think it is a different relationship that you build up with patients because if you see someone over months in clinic, you're going to develop a very different relationship to if you see someone for two hours in the middle of the night. Yeah. But I feel emergency department relationships you have with patients can be quite intense mm-hmm. and mostly in a positive way because people are very scared. They're often very vulnerable and they do open up and they are often very grateful that you're there for them and their real hour of need. And it can be emotionally very difficult because you do have a lot of patients who are very sick and who die. And often these patients have either not really been willing to hear that information from another doctor if it's a sort of inevitable death, like something like from cancer or end-stage organ failure, or Mm -hmm. they haven't been told. So a lot of the time you are dealing with problems that have been kind of kicked down the line, but you are unable to kick those problems down the line any further because the patient's right in front of you and it's a critical situation right now. And so I know a lot of people can find that emotionally hard. And that is something to be aware of if people are considering emergency medicine is you will have some rough emotional moments, but everyone has them and everyone in the department is very aware of that. People are very supportive of each other. So I don't think that emergency medicine is somewhere that you can't build fulfilling relationships with your patients, but it is different. And you are also aware that whilst you sometimes have very grateful, very nice patients, you also do have to be prepared to deal with the fact that a lot of patients are very frustrated and they're very agitated or some people express fear as Mm -hmm aggression and you have to be quite robust to people being quite rude to you. Wow. That's really good advice for students because then they can know whether they have a thick enough skin to get started Mm -hmm. in the field or if they can build that up. And you mentioned another field, family medicine, and you work with the family medicine team now in AMBOSS, right? Yes. So what exactly do you do with the family medicine team in the editorial department? So in the editorial department, I work at the moment as a final checker. So that's someone who has a look when the article's been worked on by the original editor, and then someone's checked all the facts and checked the flow of the article. And then I'm the final set of eyes that looks at it, make sure that everything looks perfect. And then I publish it so it's live on the platform. So that involves looking at a lot of guidelines, both from family medicine specific ones to broader society guidelines, and just trying to incorporate that to make it as user-friendly as possible. Because I think there is a big overlap between emergency medicine and family medicine. First off, a lot of people come to the emergency department with stuff that could be dealt with by family medicine, but they aren't able to get an appointment or Uh. it's out of hours or they just prefer being able to walk in. So we do see a lot of primary care stuff. And also we have a lot of patients who will not necessarily follow up with family medicine. So we have to kind of anticipate that. So if we have a patient who has a chronic disease, who we know when we discharge will not follow up with family Mm -hmm. medicine, we have to make sure that they are safe and going home with what they need. So Mm -hmm. we're already used to doing a little bit of family medicine. And I did do a four month family medicine job in my foundation years as well. And I do think also family medicine is the first eyes on a lot of problems that end up in the emergency department. For example, chest pain is something mm-hmm. that people will present to the emergency department with, but they will often as well present to their family doctor with that. So right. that's a, something that you need to be able to think out from both perspectives. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's interesting as well, because having done this master's in the control of infectious disease, mm-hmm. we had been 
looking in many cases at prevention and epidemiology and looking at it from more of a public health perspective. And a lot of the preventative medicine that you do in family medicine is sort of in that sphere and also is the sort of thing that often in emergency medicine you wish someone had done for your patient (laughs) because then they might not be there right now. Right. So I find my experiences often helpful for doing this. And I like to create the content that I wish doctors who shared the care of patients I've seen had read. Yes. And speaking of this, we have the one minute telegram that's supposed to be designed to help physicians glean as much important information from these studies as possible, as quickly as possible. Do you help with the editing and publishing of that at all? Yes. So I'm not one of the main editors on it, but I work when other editors are on holiday and I always work on the holiday editions where we have like slightly humorous ones. Uh So we try and find themed things for Christmas and Halloween and work on those. So I always do those just because they're quite fun. And I think it's a really great product because I feel perhaps it's a feature of all emergency medicine physicians. We have quite short attention spans. (laughs) So I really enjoy just getting something that's very concise, boiled down. So it's also, it's satisfying to work on. Yeah. And I think it really helps physicians and students. Mm. So thinking about when students and physicians read your Amboss articles that you work on, what sections or features do you really hope that they make use of? There's two different things that you have to do when you're studying as a medical student. The first is you have to prepare to pass the exams. Mm -hmm. And the second, which sometimes doesn't really overlap with the first goal, is you need to learn to be a doctor. (laughs) So I found like a lot of my surprises in my first year of working as a doctor is I had been very successful at passing exams, but knowing random facts about the pathophysiology of a condition or knowing exactly the etiology of a condition didn't help me when I had a patient who wasn't complying with the treatment for it in front of me. Yeah, sadly. (laughs) Yeah. So I think when students are reading it, there's obviously a lot of basic science and background that they need to know, but I do really hope that they are really looking at the diagnostics and the treatment section because those are the sections that for the rest of their careers are going to be the most relevant. Yeah. That's what I think too. It's really like you can search for any illness and then find out exactly what you need to know about diagnosing differentials you should be Mm. thinking of and then treatment options. And then for students preparing for big medical school exams or for trying to succeed on the wards, how would you prepare for these? I think it's very different depending on the stage you're at. So when you're very new, I think you probably need to be reading the big articles on the most common things that are going to come up during that rotation to have a good overview. I think when you've finished that rotation, when you're thinking about exams, it's probably more sensible to start off with the questions and the questions will highlight what your weaknesses are. And then from there, you can go back. I think also that little sting of getting a question wrong really (laughs) reminds you. Yeah, I think you have to build the foundation by reading the articles. And then I like your idea of sort of using the negative of getting questions wrong as a positive because it's breaking you out of this like confirmation bias when you read an article and skim over it you tell yourself you know it all and then picture a patient walking in or a question and getting it wrong that's where you really need to focus your studying yeah so for clinical year students when they're going into rotations like emergency medicine these can be super stressful if they aren't used to this spontaneous unpredictable environment and there's anxiety associated with having overnight shifts and like you said you have to hand off to someone after 
eight or 12 hours of work. So how did you get through these? I think the thing that I've always done is really try and prioritize your sleep because everything just feels more unmanageable when you're tired. Mm -hmm. If you're exhausted, you're not taking in the facts. If you're exhausted, you're really going to struggle with emotionally difficult situations. It can be impossible to get as much sleep as you want, but really trying to make sure you're as well rested as possible absolutely would be my number one tip. That's really good advice. And I don't think everyone puts that as high as it should be on the priority list. Yeah. One of our articles in the Emboss blog talks about managing clerkships and they talk about practicing differential diagnoses, developing treatment plans, drafting patient presentations. I think getting your sleep hygiene right mm -hmm. should be before all of those. But for people who haven't presented a patient to an attending, do you have any suggestions on how to practice this or how to prepare for this? So I would say coming from an emergency medicine point of view, we always want things to be concise. And I think everywhere in the world, people in emergency departments are very busy. So when I have a student presenting to me and it's been going on and on for a while and I'm hearing about like the patient's pets and what the names <laughs> of their pets are, I'm inside screaming a little bit because I know how busy I am. And I think using structured tools for presenting and for handover. So one of the really common ones we use is like SBAR, so like situation background assessment and the response that you want from the person you're presenting to like that's just a way to focus what you're doing inside of a structure and also make it very clear what you have done and what you're asking of the other person mm -hmm. really keeping your presentation concise on the main most important points and then mm -hmm. saying at the end now I would like you to come and review the patient with me or now I think that we need to arrange a CT scan for this patient and admit them under this service mm -hmm. okay in terms of differential diagnoses, I think the most important thing is from an emergency medicine point of view is like always think about what is the worst case scenarios this could mm -hmm. be. And once you've thought about those, then you can think about the tests that you would need to rule out those emergency disaster scenarios. Because right. a lot of emergency medicine is not necessarily finding the correct diagnosis. Sometimes the correct diagnosis is going to take months. It might involve, you know, tests you're never going to get in the emergency department. So the point of the emergency department is to make sure that nothing's going to kill this patient before those other <laughs> tests can be done. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that's really, really key to keep in mind. Is your job is not to correctly diagnose it. It's to take care of the patient. Yeah. And sometimes that just means ruling out the worst thing. My last question, if you could give our listeners any advice beyond the textbook, what would you say? So I would say your life is long and you have more freedom to choose what you do with it than you think. So I think a lot of people decide at a certain age that they want to be a doctor mm -hmm. and then a few years later, they choose a specialty and then they sort of feel like they're wedded to that to the grave. Yeah. And I think your life, you can always do something different with it. If you find you're not loving medicine, there's mm -hmm. other jobs you can do with a medical degree. Like look at everyone who's working at Amboss. If you find that the specialty you're doing is not the right thing, like, yes, it is frightening to say, actually, no, thank you. And I'm going to start again. Mm -hmm. But that option is always open. You should never feel trapped in a job that you don't love. Mm -hmm. You always have options. Yeah. Well, I like that. I think that's really, really good for people to hear. Yeah. Also, I think as well, one of the things maybe I wish people had said to me too, is that expectations are much lower of you than you think that they are. Mm -hmm. which sounds quite a harsh thing to say, but I think when I started medical school, I thought I was supposed to know everything and be able to do every procedure 
mm-hmm. and be great at everything. Mm-hmm. And then when I didn't do those things and when I was not knowing the right answer to questions or when I was presenting to someone, they'd be like, why didn't you think of that? I'd think yeah. to myself, oh, I'm not great at this job. And then when I was a little bit more senior and I was supervising people who were fresh out of medical school, I was like, I know our expectations of them are really low. It's absolutely fine that they don't know these things. Yeah. I mean, you have to start somewhere. You can't start off as an expert. So Yeah. All right. Rachel, thank you so much for joining me today and for sharing your story and advice. I think it'll really help students get through difficult rotations and make them better doctors. All right. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah. And thank you for listening to another episode of the AMBOSS International Podcast. In today's episode, we learned how the minds behind AMBOSS articles approach medicine, how to be prepared for anything in the emergency room, and what it's like to study and practice medicine in the UK. To read more about today's topics, please check out the links in the description. If you have any specific topics that you would like to hear us cover or questions that you would like to ask, please get in touch at int.podcast at amboss.com. And don't forget, you can check out the Amboss platform for your medical studies and sign up for a free five-day trial at amboss.com. All information about our Amboss podcast and the Amboss platform can be found at go.amboss.com slash international podcast. 